are listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our hope is for you to be encouraged and to connect with God during this message. If you'd like to know more about Thornapple Valley Church, visit tvcweb.com. Thank you. Hey, well, good morning, all of you guys joining us in Middleville and down, all of you guys joining us online. So glad that you chose to invest your time with us this morning. My name is Greg. I have the privilege of being one of our teaching pastors here, and I also get the privilege of working with our students. And I am so excited because coming up in just a few short weeks, we are having our Fusion Summer Camp. You've heard a lot about that today, and I'm just telling you right now, believe the hype. It's worth it. If you're in middle school or high school, get signed up. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be so much fun. You're not going to want to miss it. But I'm not here to talk about Fusion Camp. I'm here because we're starting our brand new series titled One Hit Wonders. And what we're going to be doing for the next few weeks is we're going to be going through books of the Bible that only have one chapter. But these little books have a lot to say to us. Now, I don't think you can have a series about one hit wonders without playing the greatest one hit wonder. Some of you guys might recognize it. So let's take a listen to it right now. Y'all already know. Oh, yeah. Vanilla Ice's Ice Ice Baby is the greatest song ever recorded. Okay? It, hit, it was the very first rap single to hit number one on the U.S. Hot 100 Billboard. It went number one in charts around the world, like U.K. and Belgium. It's just an amazing song, but it had some controversy. Because for those of you guys that might be Queen or David Bowie fans, might recognize that bass line from a famous song called Under Pressure. And so now Vanilla Ice found himself under some pressure. And so he had to get into some legal trouble, and he, to this day, denies even copying the bass line. We actually have a video of an interview that he did, so go ahead, watch this. We sampled them from him, but it's not the same bass line. Uh, like he goes, ding, 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 that's the way theirs goes. Ours goes, ding, 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 very, very convincing. But before we go too far, I want to think back to the last time that you or I told a lie. It's a very interesting concept because nobody had to teach you how to lie. You don't have to teach a kid how to lie, especially, well, most of you guys that have kids, you know you spend more time teaching them how to tell the truth. My wife and I have the opportunity to spend a lot of time with our nieces and nephews. And there was one particular time where we're going to spend time with them. We go to pick them up, and they're at Grandma's house, and they all have candy. Grandma got them all bags of candy. And you know that when the night starts out with kids loaded up on candy, it's going to be a great night. And so we had, we had some fun, but then it's time to go to bed. So we're like, okay, put the candy away. It's time to go to sleep. And so we put them to bed, and then... A little bit later, my wife and I, we hear some rumbling, some voices. And so we go up there, check it out. And, of course, everyone's pretending to sleep, you know. And then we wake up the next morning, and the youngest, he's about four or five, he goes, my tummy doesn't feel good. We're like, 
okay, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. And so we get in the car, we go to take him back home, and he goes, Uncle Greg, my tummy really doesn't feel good. And you know that when you have a toddler that says that, you have about two minutes to pull over on the side of the road if you want your car to be in a clean condition. And so we pull over to the side of the road. We get them all checked out. He's all good. And they're like, what happened? And he goes, my brother fed me candy in the dark. <laughs> okay, Noah, how much candy did you give your brother? He's like, oh, it's like one or two pieces. But we get home, we look in the sleeping bags, and there's like 30 wrappers of Jolly Ranchers. And when they're kids and they tell little lies, like, the worst that could happen is a little stomachache. But then, you know, as kids get older, for those of you guys that are parents of teenagers, know that the stakes are higher. And lying and deception, it drives a wedge in relationships, is that it can actually distance you from other people. Is that you know this. Maybe you had a friendship that you thought you could trust somebody, but then you learned you couldn't quite trust that person. Or maybe it was your marriage where you had your spouse where you thought you could trust them. And then there was some deception going on. There was a lie that got out of control, and it ended up ruining the relationship. Well, deception has the ability to also get in the way of your relationship with Jesus. It affects us spiritually, in that there is a deceiver out there trying to deceive us. The devil is trying to separate us from Jesus. And really, we, we think that we're good at detecting deception, whether it be from other people or spiritually. But the truth is, is that we're just not as good as we think. I was reading this article about interpersonal deception theory, and what they found was that People could only successfully interpret if they were being deceived about 50% of the time, about 53% of the time. And before you think that's good odds, that's just about the same odds as flipping a coin. And so we, we like to think that we're good at being able to tell if we're being lied to, but the truth is, is that we're just not that good. And I think it has to do with two major biases that we all have. And the first one is this. The first one is a truth bias, a truth bias. And what a truth bias is, is that it's the tendency that when there's a lack of evidence to assume that the other person is telling the truth. So when I got up here and I told you guys my name was Greg, pretty much all of you believed me because you had no reason not to, right? To where if you don't know what the truth actually is, it's easier for us to be deceived, and I don't think that's wrong because I think you should trust people until they prove themselves to be untrustworthy. But we just got to know that that makes us more apt to be deceived. And I think the other bias that we all have is something called a confirmation bias. Now, some of you might have heard this in terms of the business world and interviewing. But what a confirmation bias is, it's the tendency to interpret new evidence as confirmation of one's already existing beliefs or theories. So basically, it's taking in new information with the lens of what you already want to be true and taking in new evidence to prove what you already believe to be true and ignoring everything else. And these are two things that make it very difficult for us to detect deception. But you see, deception going on is nothing new. 
And as we're in this series titled One Hit Wonders, where we're going through different books of the Bible that only have one chapter, this week we're going to be in the book of 2 John. So if you have your Bible with you, I would encourage you to turn to the book of 2 John, or if you have the Bible app on your phone, we'll be in the book of 2 John. Because what 2 John is going to do, what he's going to write about, is that he's going to confront false teachers. Because back then, not everybody could read, and not everybody had access to the Bible. So what they did was that they relied on traveling teachers that would go around and teach these different churches and teach these different cities. And as you can imagine, people took it as an opportunity to advance themselves personally, whether it be for power, for money, or to twist the truth to what they wanted to be true. And they would deceive people about who Jesus really was. So John is going to write to this church because John knew who Jesus was. Is that John was a, a, one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. He spent a lot of time with Jesus. He was there when Jesus walked on the water. He was there when Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. Jesus was, or John was there when Jesus was hanging on the cross. And John was there when he saw Jesus come back from the dead. You see, John knew the truth about Jesus. And the the truth about Jesus has the power to set us free. And so what he's going to do is that he's going to write to this church to confront these false teachers. And the first thing that he's going to do is that he's going to encourage them to abide in truth. Starting in verse 1 of 2 John, I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. Verse 1, the elder, to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace and mercy and peace will be with us from God the Father, from Jesus Christ, the Father, Son, in truth and love. What John is reminding his readers is about the truth that abides in us. And what he's referring to is the knowledge of Jesus Christ, that he died and three days later he rose again for the payment of our sin. And when you make the decision to believe in Jesus and you choose to follow him, he's talking about the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of you as a result. And grace is our unmerited favor and mercy is our undeserved pardon. And peace is the result of having both. Because you see, peace isn't just the absence of problems. It isn't just the calm in our life. But what peace is, is peace is knowing that God's in control, especially when I'm not. Peace is knowing not that everything is always going to be perfect, but I know that God's going to see me through it. And the concept that John is pointing out is of abiding in truth is one that he actually gets from Jesus. And he records in his gospel in John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus says this. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Abiding, that's kind of like a Bible word that we don't really use much nowadays. But what it means is to remain in. 
And what Jesus is saying and what John is encouraging his first century audience to do is to keep what is most important, the most important thing. And that is our relationship with Jesus. To make that the most important thing in our life that we focus on, that we go after. Because you see, when we remain in, when we abide in, when we meditate on Jesus and what his life meant and who he is, it looks a, a couple different ways. It looks like spending time in prayer. Not so much, God, this is what I need, this is what I want, but spending time to just take a step back and thinking, what is God's will for my life? What is God's plan for my life? What is God's purpose for my life? Because prayer isn't always about changing our circumstances. Sometimes it's more about changing our perspective and changing our heart and inviting God into our situation. You see, abiding in Jesus also looks like reading the Bible. You see, we have such an advantage over John's first century audience because a lot of them, like I said earlier, couldn't read and they didn't have the Bible. It wasn't in mass circulation. And even if they did have it, they couldn't read it. But right now, you can download the entire Bible on your phone, on the App Store, the YouVersion Bible app. And we can read it anytime, anywhere. And if we, don't want to fall, if we don't want to be deceived by the enemy, if we don't want to fall for our truth bias because we don't know any better, we have to be reading our Bible. We have to read the Bible if we want to develop discernment. And what discernment is this. I love the way that Charles Spurgeon defines discernment. He says, discernment is not just knowing the difference between right and wrong. It's knowing the difference between right and almost right. You see, when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4, what's going to happen is that the devil is going to take Jesus to this high point in the temple. And he's going to say to them, if you are the son of God, then throw yourself down and have the angels catch you. And what he does next is quite interesting. Because what he's going to do is that he's going to quote scripture. He's going to quote Psalm 91 as to justify what the, what the devil was saying. But Jesus knew the Old Testament, so he wasn't fooled by it. But you see, that's why it's so important for us to know scripture, to know what it means and not take it out of context and try to force it to mean what we want it to mean. Because that's where you run into trouble with our confirmation bias of what we want to be true and just fight, picking and choosing scripture for what we want to be true. But instead, we have to be reading it and understanding it, which is helpful when it comes to our third way of abiding in Christ, which means listening for God. And for me, this is not like an audible voice, you know, that where the heavens open up and a ray of light shines down and it's a voice that sounds like Morgan Freeman is speaking to me. I've never heard God speak like that. But more of what it is, it's just like a thought or a feeling or an impression that I get. And I have to be able to tell, is this God or is this me? You see, that, that helps when you read scripture, not just for information, but for transformation. When it begins to transform the way that we think. Here's how Paul puts it in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed 
by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable. And the way that we discern, the way that we renew our minds, the way that we're transformed is by allowing God's truth to fill us and transform us. But you see, it doesn't do us any good if we're able to listen to God's voice, if we pray three times a day, if we don't do anything about it. Which is why John is going to go on to encourage his readers to walk in truth. Here's what he says back to 2 John verse 4. He says, I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I are writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning. So what John is saying is walk in truth, and here's the commandment. This is nothing new. This is something that you have heard from the time that you've become a Christ follower. This one commandment, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so you should walk in it. You see, believing in Jesus, our relationship with Jesus is what changes us from the inside out. But you see, when we walk in truth, when we live that out, when we love those around us, that's when it comes from just changing us to changing our communities, to changing our schools, to changing our workplaces. And that's why our vision for 2023 is to love our communities and impact the world because the love of God has the power to change the world. And to walk in truth is to walk in love. Jesus echoed what John is saying in John chapter 15, verse 12. Jesus says this, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Love is the central theme to the gospel. A lot of you that grew up in church might know John three sixteen. for God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son. You see, when Jesus, later in his ministry, towards the end, when he was asked by a teacher of the law, what is the most important thing? Like, just summarize it all. We have over 600 laws. What's the most important thing that I should do? And Jesus breaks it down to two verses in one central command, where he says, to love God and love others. Love is the central theme to the gospel. And John reminds his readers to walk in the balance of truth and love. To love without sacrificing the truth. And that's why John is going to encourage the church to guard the truth. To hold it dear. Here's what he says in verse 9. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching as both the Father and the Father. And the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. Whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. And so, what John is saying is to be on the lookout for false teachers. Don't be deceived. Don't be persuaded by the world's half truths, promises of fame, promises of, oh, if you just had this one thing, everything would be good. If you just had this one opportunity, everything else would be good. But we know that the only way that we can be sustained, that we can be fulfilled, is through a relationship with Jesus. But it's easy for all of us to get a little off course. You see, 
a lot of times when we're following Jesus, I love the way that Brian put it last week. Of If we're trying to go after Jesus and we're walking, it's easy for us to get off course. And for those of you that would consider yourself a Christ follower, I would encourage you to get involved with a local church. And that's why it's so important not to do life alone, not to follow Jesus alone, but to be a part of a local church. And if you're just getting started trying to figure out, you know, who is Jesus, what is this whole Bible thing about, I just want to say that I'm glad you came this morning. I want to encourage you to keep coming, to keep coming on the weekend. But for those of you guys where maybe church has just become a habit that you do on Sunday morning for an hour, I would encourage you to take it a step further. Take it a step further and not just, you know, attend a church, but be a part of a church. Because church is meant to be more of a community of people that are doing life together. People that are going to speak truth to each other. They're going to love each other. And I want to ask you, do you have anybody in your life who's going to speak the truth to you even when it's hard? Even when you don't want to hear it? Do you have those people in your life? I know that I've needed those people in my life. I remember when being a young adult, 18, 19, just got married. My wife and I, we started a young adults group. And it was about 10 or 12 of us we'd meet every single week. And there was one time where we're just going around the room and we're seeing, okay, how can we pray for you? And then we'd pray for that person right there. And I remember it got to me. You know, I'm fresh out of high school, so I'm like super prideful trying to figure out this whole adult thing. And I'm like, nope, I'm good. Nothing's going on. When in reality, I was trying to navigate being newly married, moving out of my house. My family has some own issues. And people are like, really? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Everything's fine. Everything's good. And we moved on. But then I remember one of my friends, while he was walking out, goes, Greg, I know your life's not perfect. And until you have the humility to let other people in, we can't, we can't love you the way that we're supposed to. And that kind of hurt. But, you know, it's the truth that I needed to hear. And so I would encourage you that if you're just getting started off, you know, figuring out who Jesus is, continue to come on the weekend. But if you've made a habit of just coming to church, just attending for an hour, I encourage you to be a part of something bigger. To, to join one of our small groups that we call our tribes here. Or to sign up to serve and be a part of a community to get involved. You know, at all of our campuses, we do something called our next step time. Where we just give you a few moments to think about what your next step is. What I encourage you to do is that during this next song, think about what is your next step. But first, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're just so thankful for your son Jesus, that you loved us so much that you sent him to die, to die on a cross for our sins. But Lord, we thank you that he didn't stay there. And three days later, he rose again so that we could be made right with you. Lord, I ask that that truth would be the focal point of our life, that it would be the guiding light to our life, Lord. That we wouldn't be deceived, chasing after the things of this world, but Lord, we would be focused on you and loving those around us the way that you called us to love. 
Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. If you found this message encouraging, we invite you to share it. For more information, visit tbcweb.com.